chapter fifteen of erasmus and the age of reformation this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org erasmus and the age of reformation by johann huizinga translated by frederick jan hopman chapter fifteen at louvain fifteen seventeen to eighteen erasmus at louvain fifteen seventeen he expects the renovation of the church as the fruit of good learning controversy with lefebvre des tables second journey to basel fifteen eighteen he revises the edition of the new testament controversies with latimus briard and lee erasmus regards the opposition of conservative theology merely as a conspiracy against good learning when erasmus established himself at louvain in the summer of fifteen seventeen he had a vague presentiment that great changes were at hand i fear he writes in september that a great subversion of affairs is being brought about here if god's favour and the piety and wisdom of princes do not concern themselves about human matters but the forms which that great change would assume he did not in the least realize he regarded his removal as merely temporary it was only to last till we shall have seen which place of residence is best fit for old age which is already knocking there is something pathetic in the man who desires nothing but quiet and liberty and who through his own restlessness and his inability not to concern himself about other people never found a really fixed abode or true independence erasmus is one of those people who always seem to say to-morrow to-morrow i must first deal with this and then as soon as he shall be ready with the new edition of the new testament and shall have extricated himself from troublesome and disagreeable theological controversies in which he finds himself entangled against his wish he will sleep hide himself sing for himself and the muses but that time never came where to live when he shall be free spain to which cardinal ziminis called him did not appeal to him from germany he says the stoves and the insecurity deter him in england the servitude which was required of him there revolted him but in the netherlands themselves he did not feel at his ease either here i embarked at a great deal and there is no remuneration though i desired it ever so much i could not bear to stay there long yet he remained for four years erasmus had good friends in the university of louvain 
at first he put up with his old host johannes paludanus rhetor of the university whose house he exchanged that summer for quarters in the college of the lily martin dorf a dutchman like himself had not been estranged from him by their polemics about the moriah his goodwill was of great importance to erasmus because of the important place dorp occupied in the theological faculty and lastly though his old patron adrian of utrecht afterwards pope had by that time been called away from louvain to higher dignities his influence had not diminished in consequence but rather increased for just about that time he had been made a cardinal erasmus was received with great complaisance by the louvain divines their leader the vice-chancellor of the university jean briard Havard, repeatedly expressed his approval of the addition of the new testament to erasmus's great satisfaction soon erasmus found himself a member of the theological faculty yet he did not feel at his ease among the louvain theologians the atmosphere was a great deal less congenial to him than that of the world of the english scholars here he felt a spirit which he did not understand and distrusted in consequence in the years in which the reformation began erasmus was the victim of a great misunderstanding the result of the fact that his delicate aesthetic hovering spirit understood neither the profoundest depths of the faith nor the hard necessities of human society he was neither mystic nor realist luther was both to erasmus the great problem of church and state and society seemed simple nothing was required but restoration and purification by a return to the original unspoilt sources of christianity a number of accretions to the faith rather ridiculous than revolting had to be cleared away all should be reduced to the nucleus of faith christ and the gospel forms ceremonies speculations should make room for the practice of true piety the gospel was easily intelligible to everybody and within everybody's reach and the means to reach all this was good learning bona literae had he not himself by his editions of the new testament and of jerome and even earlier by the now famous enchiridion done most of what had to be done i hope that what now pleases the upright will soon please all as early as the beginning of fifteen seventeen erasmus had written to wolfgang fabricius capito in the tone of one who has accomplished the great task well then take you the torch from us the work will henceforth be a great deal easier and cause far less hatred and envy we have lived through the first shock budius writes to tunstall in may fifteen seventeen was any one born under such inauspicious graces that the dull and obscure discipline scholasticism does not revolt him since sacred literature too cleansed by erasmus's diligence has regained its ancient purity and brightness but it is still much greater that he should have effected by the same labour 
the emergence of sacred truth itself out of that chimerian darkness even though divinity is not yet quite free from the dirt of the sophist school if that should occur one day it will be owing to the beginnings made in our times the philologist spadeus believed even more firmly than erasmus that faith was a matter of erudition it could not but vex erasmus that not every one accepted the cleansed truth at once how could people continue to oppose themselves to what to him seemed as clear as daylight and so simple he who so sincerely would have liked to live in peace with all the world found himself involved in a series of polemics to let the opposition of opponents pass unnoticed was forbidden not only by his character forever striving to justify himself in the eyes of the world but also by the custom of his time so eager for dispute there were first of all his polemics with jacques lefebvre de table or in latinized form faber stapulensis the parisian theologian who as a preparer of the reformation may more than any one else be ranked with erasmus at the moment when erasmus got into the travelling cart which was to take him to levin a friend drew his attention to a passage in the new edition of faber's commentary on st paul's epistles in which he controverted erasmus's note on the second epistle to the hebrews verse seven erasmus at once bought faber's book and soon published an apologia it concerned christ's relation to god and the angels but the dogmatic pointed issue hinged after all on a philological interpretation of erasmus not yet accustomed to much direct wrangling erasmus was violently agitated by the matter the more as he esteemed faber highly and considered him a congenial spirit what on earth has occurred to the man have others set him on against me all theologians agree that i am right he asserts it makes him nervous that faber does not reply again at once Badius has told peter gillis that faber is sorry about it erasmus in a dignified letter appeals to their friendship he will suffer himself to be taught and censured then again he growls let him be careful and he thinks that his controversy with faber keeps the world in suspense there is not a meal at which the guests do not side with one or the other of them but finally the combat abated and the friendship was preserved towards easter fifteen eighteen erasmus contemplated a new journey to basel there to pass through the press during a few months of hard labour the corrected edition of the new testament he did not fail to request the chiefs of conservative divinity at levin beforehand to state their objections to his work briard havath declared he had found nothing offensive in it after he had first been told all sorts of bad things about it then the new edition will please you much better erasmus had said his friend dorp and james latimus also one of the chief divines had expressed themselves in the same sense and the carmelite nicholas of egmond had said that he had never read erasmus's work only a young englishman edward lee who was studying greek 
that louvain had summarized a number of criticisms into ten conclusions erasmus had got rid of the matter by writing to lee that he had not been able to get hold of his conclusions and therefore could not make use of them but his youthful critic had not put up with being slighted so and worked out his objections in a more circumstantial treatise thus erasmus set out for basel once more in may fifteen eighteen he had been obliged to ask all his english friends of whom ammonius had been taken from him by death in fifteen seventeen for support to defray the expenses of the journey he kept holding out to them the prospect that after his work was finished he would return to england in a letter to martin lipsius as he was going up the rhine he answered lee's criticism which had irritated him extremely in revising his edition he not only took it but little into account but ventured moreover this time to print his own translation of the new testament of fifteen o six without any alterations at the same time he obtained for the new edition a letter of approval from the pope a redoubtable weapon against his cavillers at basel erasmus worked again like a horse in a treadmill but he was really in his element even before the second edition of the new testament the enchiridion and the institutio principis christiani were printed by froben on his return journey erasmus whose work had been hampered all through the summer by indisposition and who had on that account been unable to finish it fell seriously ill he reached louvain with difficulty twenty one september fifteen eighteen it might be the pestilence and erasmus ever much afraid of contagion himself now took all precautions to safeguard his friends against it he avoided his quarters in the college of the lily and found shelter with his most trusted friend dirk mightens the printer but in spite of rumours of the plague and his warnings first dorp and afterwards also off came at once to visit him evidently the louvain professors did not mean so badly by him after all but the differences between erasmus and the louvain faculty were deeply rooted lee hurt by the little attention paid by erasmus to his objections prepared a new critique but kept it from erasmus for the present which irritated the latter and made him nervous in the meantime a new opponent arose directly after his return to louvain erasmus had taken much trouble to promote the establishment of the collegium trilingua projected and endowed by jerome Bruce in his testament to be founded in the university the three biblical languages hebrew greek and latin were to be taught there now when james latimus a member of the theological faculty and a man whom he esteemed in a dialogue about the study of those three languages and of theology doubted the utility of the former erasmus judged himself concerned and answered latimus in an apologia about the same time springs fifteen nineteen he got into trouble with the vice-chancellor himself erasmus thought that off had publicly censured him with regard to his praise of marriage which had recently appeared though off withdrew at once erasmus could not abstain from writing an apologia however moderate meanwhile the smouldering quarrel with lee assumed ever more hateful forms in vain did erasmus's english friends attempt to restrain their young ambitious compatriot erasmus on his part irritated him furtively he reveals in this whole dispute a lack of self-control 
and dignity which shows his weakest side usually so anxious as to decorum he now lapses into invectives the british adder satan even the old taunt ascribing a tale to englishmen has to serve once more the points at issue disappear altogether behind the bitter mutual reproaches in his unrestrained anger erasmus avails himself of the most unworthy weapons he eggs his german friends on to write against lee and to ridicule him in all his folly and brag and then he assures all his english friends all germany is literally furious with lee i have the greatest trouble in keeping them back alack germany had other causes of disturbance it is fifteen twenty and the three great polemics of luther were setting the world on fire the one may excuse the violence and the petty spitefulness of erasmus in this matter as resulting from an over-sensitive heart falling somewhat short in really manly qualities yet it is difficult to deny that he failed completely to understand both the arguments of his adversaries and the great movements of his time it was very easy for erasmus to mock the narrow-mindedness of conservative divines who thought that there would be an end to faith in holy scripture as soon as the emendation of the text was attempted they correct the holy gospel nay the potter noster itself the preacher exclaims indignantly in the sermon before his surprised congregation as if i cavilled at matthew and luke and not at those who out of ignorance and carelessness have corrupted them what do people wish that the church should possess holy scripture as correct as possible or not this reasoning seemed to erasmus with his passionate need of purity a conclusive refutation but instinct did not deceive his adversaries when it told them that doctrine itself was at stake if the linguistic judgment of a single individual might decide as to the correct version of a text and erasmus wished to avoid the inferences which assailed doctrine he was not aware of the fact that his conceptions of the church the sacraments and the dogmas were no longer purely catholic because they had become subordinated to his philological insight he could not be aware of it because in spite of all his natural piety and his fervent ethical sentiments he lacked the mystic insight which is the foundation of every creed it was this personal lack in erasmus which made him unable to understand the real grounds of the resistance of catholic orthodoxy how was it possible that so many and among them men of high consideration refused to accept what to him seemed so clear and irrefutable he interpreted the fact in a highly personal way he the man who would so gladly have lived in peace with all the world who so yearned for sympathy and recognition and bore enmity with difficulty saw the ranks of haters and opponents increase about him he did not understand how they feared his mocking acrimony how many wore the scar of a wound that the moriah had made that real and supposed hatred troubled erasmus he sees his enemies as a sect it is especially the dominicans and the carmelites who are ill-affected towards the new scientific theology just then a new adversary had arisen at louvain in the person of his compatriot nicholas of egmond prior to the carmelites henceforth an object of particular abhorrence to him it is remarkable that at louvain erasmus found his fiercest opponents in some compatriots 
in the narrower sense of the word vincent dirks of harlem william of vianen ruard tapper the persecution increases the venom of slander spreads more and more every day and becomes more deadly the greatest untruths are impudently preached about him he calls in the help of oth the vice-chancellor against them but it is no use the hidden enemies laugh let him write for the erudite who are few we shall bark to stir up the people after fifteen twenty he writes again and again i am stoned every day but erasmus however much he might see himself not without reason at the centre could in fifteen nineteen and fifteen twenty no longer be blind to the fact that the great struggle did not concern him alone on all sides the battle was being fought what is it that great commotion about matters of spirit and of faith the answer which erasmus gave himself was this it is a great and wilful conspiracy on the part of the conservatives to suffocate good learning and make the old ignorance triumph this idea recurs innumerable times in his letters after the middle of fifteen eighteen i know quite certainly he writes on twenty one march fifteen nineteen to one of his german friends that the barbarians on all sides have conspired to leave no stone unturned till they have suppressed bonae literae here we are still fighting with the protectors of the old ignorance cannot wolsey persuade the pope to stop it here all that appertains to ancient and cultured literature is called poetry by those narrow-minded fellows by that word they indicate everything that savours of a more elegant doctrine that is to say all that they have not learned themselves all the tumult the whole tragedy under these terms he usually refers to the great theological struggle originates in the hatred of bonae literae this is the source and hotbed of all this tragedy incurable hatred of linguistic study and the bonae literae luther provokes those enemies whom it, it is impossible to conquer though their cause is a bad one and meanwhile envy harasses the bonae literae which are attacked at his luther's instigation by these gadflies they are already nearly insufferable when things do not go well with them but who can stand them when they triumph either i am blind or they aim at something else than luther they are preparing to conquer the phalanx of the muses this was written by erasmus to a member of the university of leipzig in december fifteen twenty this one-sided and academic conception of the great events a conception which arose in the study of a recluse bending over his books did more than anything else to prevent erasmus from understanding the true nature and purport of the reformation End of chapter fifteen